Hello and welcome to an like an officially introduced episode of Breakfast with Your Friends. Uh, it's episode twenty, so it's time to grow up. <laughs> episode with your, mm, I can't say our podcast name. Breakfast with Your Friends, episode twenty. Breakfast with Your Friends is a podcast about nothing in particular, starring two. Um, podcasting personalities. I thought you were going to say hot podcasting personalities. Starring two hot podcasters. <laughs> Notice we don't have a vlog or a YouTube channel. Or pictures of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just riding on our voice. Our, our like silky, um, neutral, neutrally accented apricot Sorry, apricot voices. You said it right. I said it wrong. And I had to correct said it myself. Right. Anyway, you your natural instinct was to go to it being apricot. No, it isn't. It isn't my natural instinct. Uh huh. Well, the viewers, and by that I mean listeners, the ear the viewers, the, the ear, ear viewer, the ear viewers know nothing. All right, ear nothing viewers. along the lines of what you just said because that is false. The ear viewers are truth seekers they're truthers and they... that... <laughs> so i've been thinking that we should call our our dear listeners something other than dear listeners oh yeah because it... is, is it gonna be truthers <laughs> well it's been proven or speculated that calling your followers or you know fans are devotees devotees by like a pet name makes them more devoted right so, my fellow Americans. My fellow Americans. My fellow Americans. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I don't know if JFK is the route we want to go with truthers. Um, I always... There's a KMFDM, which is like industrial like band from the late 90s. It's a song that goes like, Ask not what you can do for your country but what your country did to you. And it's so hard for me to remember how it actually goes. Ask not what you can do for your country, but what your country did to you. That's, I, I feel like that's like such a typical punk lyric, too. But. Well, it's not punk, but yeah, it is still. It, but it, it does sound rather punky. Like, yeah, yeah. Forgive me for going straight to that. It Yeah, it's oppositional. It's, it's sassy. I think they're a German band anyway, too. So I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, but um, so other uh, I don't know people that call their fans things like my favorite murder podcast calls them murderinos. Um, what my what's the one that oh, you were telling me? My about? favorite one is Hello Internet yeah. calls their listeners Tims. Tims. <laughs> That's it's, like something about that tickles me every it, time I hear it. It's such a cute word, especially in the plural. But then it's also like. Are you insulting me? Calling me a Tim? It's almost like yeah, like a Karen. <laughs> like, a Tim. Yeah, right. Like a Tim is like somebody who, um, it's like um um um. Excuse me. Up. Oh, I just yeah. I just had ordered this with um vegetarian, but this is a steak. Um um. <laughs> I do highly recommend Hello Internet. They have like a weird. They're one of the few podcasts that I like can just listen to without like. 
it's so bizarre because they talk about hot stoppers and airplanes and that's about it. What is a hot stopper? It's like a little plastic sword you put in a like a disposable coffee cup to keep the coffee from coming out. Oh. All right. And they just that's all they talk about is like hot stoppers, airplanes and like old trading cards from the 90s. Yeah, there are another podcast like like us um who just talks about random things with little to no agenda yeah they're it's so chill compared to their youtube channels because one does like history lessons stuff and the other is number file we've talked about this before but one of the flaws of our um, podcast's concept might have been that it's a personality podcast so it's not about really anything it's more just you have to like us, but the thing is, nobody knows who we are. Everyone knows who I am. They just don't know that I have a podcast. They, they're like this guy. I would never have thought he would have had a podcast. This yeah, guy right. making this PowerPoint. Never. That's like that's my hope in ten years is that like I get famous through some other means, and then people discover this podcast and are like, "Oh, is that is that Brian? Is that little baby Brian? Is that is that baby B?" <laughs> BBB is he is he getting his DJ chops going <laughs> with this with this baby B podcast? <laughs> BBB is like big beautiful Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my vote is to call uh call our listeners pancakes. We could do that. Yeah. Um, that's something that you know we'd have to commit to because that's what they would be from now on. I don't know if we can commit to that. What about syrup drinkers? That just makes me think of the Super Trooper scene where they drink, oh. they chug the syrup. And I think they were really chugging syrup, too, because oh. I watched the DVD at, like, extras. And, yeah, they talk yeah, about how miserable that's it disgusting. was. You know, that is committing to the bit, though. I'll give them that. Yeah. Could have, if you had acting skills, you could have just drank, like, water with, like, dye in it or, like, iced tea and then acted <laughs> like it was gross. Or getting yourself like a diabetic shock. Something about Super Troopers leads me to believe that they weren't acting all that much. Yeah, I think they're just like that kind of. Yeah, yeah. I have a because I like Beer Fest isn't that much different. I haven't seen that. It's basically the same thing, except they're at a beer fest. They're kind of like frat boys who are not rapists. Like, they don't have the rapist vibe. And they know how to use a camera. And they can use a camera, and they're a little more interesting. Like, they have more more zany antics going on than just drinking beer, for example. Like, Do you know the scene in when Farva pulls over the old couple, and he goes up and says, License and registration, chicken fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That was his parents in That's real so life. Funny. Oh my god! Yeah, and I don't. They didn't know what he was about to do. <laughs> <laughs> they knew it wasn't going to be good. I'm sure they had no no clue. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because Super Troopers was about defunding the police, <laughs> and Pretty now much, twenty yeah. years later, they want to defund the real police, and but we're not trying to save the real police. The way that they were trying to save the Vermont Highway Patrol fictional characters, even though honestly, from a like 
public policy and like fiscal responsibility perspective the vermont highway patrol as depicted in super troopers were out of control and really should not have been allowed they should have been defunded yeah the governor in that made a good call uh seizing a bunch of weed and then like smoking it in the while you like (laughs) with a prisoner with like german like nymphomaniacs couple yeah there's something about like cop shows yeah that like in retrospect maybe like we were giving people the wrong impression of like who like it makes me wonder how many people like actually signed up to be a police officer after seeing super troopers (laughs) there's probably not a huge amount but there's probably at least like at least like 30 people across the nation there's got to be some and then you think about all of the other ones like die hard and like the cop like the the movies where cops are assholes and it probably like the media probably had a non-zero impact on the actual policing industry i don't know what to call it police force not saying that they weren't always awful i'm just saying like the the media itself by creating these stories almost justifies the existence of bad actors in the police force yeah i don't know it's an interesting idea there's been so many different depictions i mean there's the absurd like reno 911 and super troopers and whether if if someone thought it was going to be all like fun and games you know and like wacky antics with your friends um driving around fast in patrol cars and and smoking weed that you seized from like a big truck i mean they're probably sorely disappointed because i'm sure even in the like most corrupt police stations uh in the country it's not quite as fun (laughs) as that i can't imagine yeah um yeah it i don't know like with all of the hell going on right now it's almost like like i like super troopers but i don't think i could watch it right now and feel comfortable yeah yeah which is really poopsicles because it's a pretty good movie (laughs) that is so poopsicles (laughs) super troopers i found really really funny when i first watched it and up probably through like the 2010s and now it's like even though it's still kind of funny humor's evolved even beyond that where now just like it's a quasi slapstick type you know silliness isn't quite as funny to me although i do still love some of those scenes littering and littering and littering and littering and smoking the reefer (laughs) now to punish you boys i'm going to stand here while you three smoke the whole bag yeah please no (laughs) uh (laughs) i'm sorry i'm so used to driving on the autobahn (laughs) (laughs) i had uh, my alexandra russian accent sorry a friend and i would had basically gotten the whole movie to the point where we could recite it yeah. without it being on. And we we got kicked out of a party once. For it, it was a small party, so there were like five people there and two of us were just reciting the movie from scratch. Not exactly the best part. <laughs> I could see if I was one of the other three people being like, okay, like this is 20 minutes later, but like stop. <laughs> we like, got told to go upstairs. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> people not wanting to hear the whole movie as depicted by two people although you should have done like a 
off, off, off Broadway show where you you two played every character. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. My God, Victoria, if you're listening, it's our time to shine. It's your time to do some theatro. And now you can't have people in the audiences due to the fear of them getting infected with coronavirus. You could stream it. Yeah. Like a live, like a Hamilton type performance. That'd be pretty cool, actually. I I always did want to do theater. Uh, But that is not addressing the point that it sounds like Pancakes is not going to be the name of our listeners. I don't know that we can just start using the term Pancakes. Um, I think a lot of people won't have listened to this where we told them we were about to do that, and they'll be confused. They'll figure it out. They'll know their place in life. Yeah. We can call them Volkswagens. Other than the trademark issue, sure. (laughs) Yeah, but they know that we're not talking about cars. There's no confusion there. Does Volkswagen know? (laughs) Yeah, Volkswagen would know. I don't know. Aren't Germans famous for not having a sense of humor? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if they are or not. Pretty sure they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big trope. Yeah. So, sorry, Germany. <laughs> we're we're not going to name our listeners after any vehicles that you make. Not even the... What's another car they make? Mercedes? Yep. Not even the Mercedes. Not even the Mercedes. Yeah. Not even a little. Yeah. They make Porsche too, right? That sounds German, so I'll just say yes. Sure. I don't. I'm not a car. This isn't car talk. <laughs> what you want to do go, is go listen to NPR. Yeah, I did like. I did used to like car talk. Everyone liked car talk. Yeah, it's so nice listening to people just be like complete experts at something. Yeah, like just being able to like. Someone would call in with like, "Oh yeah, my motor sounds like click click clickety click," and then like one of the guys would be like, "Oh yeah, this is." And then he would proceed to explain a very specific problem. And it would always be right. I think, too, is like there's a lot of anxiety for people who don't know very much about cars trying to get a solution to a problem they have with the car. Because, at least for me, like I don't know how the people I take it to are going to like treat me and if they're going to be condescending or like confusing or if they're trying to scam me, you know, or how it is. I have a good mechanic now, so I know if I go to that person, then they're not going to be condescending and they're also going to actually fix it and not just be like we fixed it and by fixed it i mean did it took a lot of your money to not fix it you know they're they're gonna (laughs) but you know if you don't have somebody who you trust you're like the car what like this is wrong is it you know know what i mean like and then it's like and anyway that's seven hundred dollars yeah stressful but yeah go ahead oh sorry i think i finally found a good mechanic mm-hmm. which is just the dealer um it's good a little more expensive but like the last guy i took it to like inspected my car and found nothing wrong with it and then i took it to these guys and they said that they would have failed the inspection because my back brakes didn't have pads anymore mm. so i think they're supposed to take at least one of the tires off i'm not sure if they have to take the back ones but, I don't, they might, but you yeah. can see it without without taking the tires off, right? Or you can't. 
the back ones are a little harder to see yeah but like they they did they were just they took everything apart and were like yep this is awful i took it there because my oil was leaking yeah so it's like okay you guys inspected my car and my oil's leaking and my brakes don't work and the oil was leaking because of their own fault because they put in yeah they changed the oil too right that was they had changed the the place you took it changed the oil put in a used part that was worn out that was worn and then that's that's the worst part of it i think and then charged me 80 dollars. yeah that's it's frustrating yeah you know I, i just think about like you know these guys did such a shit job inspecting my car like how many vehicles are on the road right now that this guy like has just passed without really looking at it Right. It makes me not want to drive. Right. Well, I don't know what the inspection criteria are, but also they don't always follow them either. And, you know, they hook it up to the onboard detection, you know, system and they're running the codes on the computer. But whether they do with the physical inspection they're supposed to take off the tire, I mean, they're certifying that they did. But. Yeah. Or they took off, or maybe the rules to take off a tire and they took off the front. Yeah, you know, and it was okay. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Well, the, my front brakes had to get replaced too. Right. So, yeah. Um, and actually, my front tires were bald. It was it was bad. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't to... look at my car. No, basically. they didn't do their inspection. You could report them probably if you want. Probably if you were so inclined. To. Yeah, just the fact that the safety inspection wasn't completed. So, what's up with that? <laughs> WTF, mates? Yeah. I want, your, I want my $20 back and my $80. I want my, my $20 back so I can use it to clean my house. $20 and your $80 for the oil change that you had to get redone because they gave you a yeah. used part. I got my oil changed like three times in a month. Right. The first two times didn't take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot to put the thing without the holes in it. God. Like there's oil on the ground under my car. <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah. Uh. Cars are um, amazing and terrible at the same time. Yeah. They're so expensive. There's always shit going wrong with them. But if you don't have one, <laughs> hope you have four hours to take the, a series of buses to get to somewhere, and then you might be stranded there. Yeah. It, well, public transportation is such shit, right? Like, and you know, I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but the automobile industry lobbied to destroy the public transportation industry. Sure. Like early on, it's documented. Sure. And the whole layout of the country set it up for automobile. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the automobile industry was behind Eisenhower and had Eisenhower in his pocket or what happened, but that's just kind of how it ended up. Well, I think Eisenhower saw the Autobahn and was like, we need a place to land planes across the country. And everyone has cars now anyway. So. Mm hmm. Because at that point, like like the fifties and sixties, like the vehicles were pretty much everywhere. Right. Um, but no, like the trains particularly got wrecked by the automobile. Um, trolleys mm-hmm. never became a thing, even though like they're amazing, and America could easily run on a system of light and mid rail. Yeah. Well, it's also like an individualism type thing where they're like, well, it's going to be set up so that if you want to spend the money on a car, you get it and you get to go where you want specifically, not just along these routes. 
And we're also not at the same time going to put money into maintaining a train system. Right. Except now they don't put money into maintaining the roads. Right. So it looks like it fell apart anyway. Oops, I lied. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I have opinions about trains. Uh, I don't want this to turn into train hour, though. I'd feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well... We can move on to another topic besides trains. If a pancake listening decides that they... uh, You know what? That doesn't work. If a listener does decide that they want to hear more about trains, let us know, and I will rant. Um, And I'll probably also point you to about, like, 5,000 articles and, and, like, historical documents showing how the word pedestrian was created as a way to demonize people who didn't own a vehicle. Interesting, because it's not just an English word either, right? It's a it's, there's variants of that word in Romance languages, but it used to mean something else, oh. like you know, having living a pedestrian lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, but it was invented as a way to create jaywalking as a crime. Mm-hmm. I'm going to verify that quickly. The word pedestrian was created to ver- to create jaywalking as crime. I wouldn't think that they need to create a whole word for it. Yeah, the original meaning just meant dull, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, imagine associating that with walking. Like, that. it's such a pedestrian way to get around. Right. Um, and then after it, um, after it, like, took on that meaning of, like, foot traffic... Right. Well, I've heard it to mean dull. Yeah, I think that was its original uh, definition was based on was based on dullardry. Although I'm seeing here that the etymology actually has the word foot in it, so I'm a little maybe it always meant foot walking, but then the dull connotation came about as a result of propaganda. I think jaywalking is just a crime because of the you know the order that you you kind of need you need the cars to have the rights of way and then it's also a way to criminalize people so you can pretty much be arrested for for at any given time at um under the current interpretations of the fourth amendment with all these little tiny crimes like jaywalking right but like so jaywalking initially though came about because the automobile industry did lobby mm-hmm. And was trying to put the blame of all of the traffic-related deaths on the people walking as opposed to the people driving a vehicle. Right. Um, Kind of victim-blaming, basically. Yeah, or they're saying that being in the road when you don't have the right-of-way as a pedestrian is a violation. Right. It's a crime. Well, no, because they invented right-of-way at that point. Like, by making jaywalking a thing and by criminalizing it, they effectively said that cars have the right of way. And prior to that, that didn't really exist all that much. You got out of the way if a horse was coming, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, like, a codified thing. They said cars have the right of way on a street, in the middle of the street, where there's no crosswalk, where there's no lights. The cars would have the right of way. The streets for the cars. Well, there were no lights or crosswalks or anything like that. 
Like it was just a, you know, the cobble paths mm-hmm. in like the days of the early vehicle. So when they made jaywalking a crime, there's obviously crossing a street in any capacity and at any time is not jaywalking. Right. So it there's was, a set of circumstances. Yeah. Streets were just a place where you walked. And then they made jaywalking the crime. But even when jaywalking became a crime, not it didn't apply to every situation when you would be in the road walking. You could, under some circumstances, cross the street and not be committing a crime. Right. Yeah. It, it got harsher as time went yeah. on. And like the invention of the sidewalk basically put to bed any hope of reclaiming the streets for pedestrians. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that... It does make sense to have right of way. I don't know that at this point we can have pedestrians wandering into the street at any given time. It's it's dangerous. But using jaywalking as an excuse to hassle people, which they okay, which you can do. Um, my dad, my dad talks about a instance in East Palo Alto back in the like sixties or whatever when he was being hassled by a cop for for jaywalking, and he was like shocked that he was even talk like <laughs> because he was from the east coast where like like new york city area where, oh, where it's like when yeah it's like there's no cars coming so i'm not going to stand on the side of the road like a fucking dumbass with my thumbs up my ass like waiting for like you the government to allow me to walk across the street <laughs> like if there's no right. cars coming i'm gonna walk like that's the mentality uh, in New York State, anyway, to my knowledge, at least that's my mentality, and I've seen a lot of others. When I go to other like states, sometimes you'll see people like standing there, or like Europe. I've been, you know, and and there's like no cars anywhere, and it's like, and they're just standing there and, until the light says they can walk, and I'm like, I just look back and forth and just walk, and they're looking at me like, what? You could just do that? I'm like, yeah, you can, you can just do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, and I don't want to not to be reckless, but like, you can see like maybe 700 feet in any direction, and you don't hear any cars. There's nobody there. I think you're good. Right. <laughs> I think you can. Walk. Al- although it's hard to hear electric vehicles, so you true. Do have to be, you still have to be vigilant about it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if 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 there's like a blind curve and you can't tell it wouldn't rely just on your hearing but if you can see down the street several blocks i'm thinking of a time in spain when it was like you know a narrow street and you i could see someone coming for blocks and right and like there was a thing saying don't walk and i think it was like even one way so you could really sit tell and you're just <laughs> like and i just like there's someone standing there just like for a minute or so till they get the right away according to the light and i'm just like i'm do do just gonna I'm, cross I'm here. I'm gonna boogie. Yeah, <laughs> New York motherfuckers. Yeah, there, certain cities are taking initiative uh, to kind of reclaim the streets for pedestrians. Yeah. So in Boston, when I lived there, they had actually shut down permanently certain roads in the north end to uh, to automobiles, mm-hmm. and to to a good success. Uh, like they find that places wind up getting more tra- foot traffic because you're it's safe to walk around and use the streets for things i think that's a good idea i don't see why not i mean they have that in burlington vermont the church street is under under bernie sanders i believe when he was the mayor yeah he was yeah the- he you know championed like shutting down that street to cars and it it's cool. Yeah, it, and it's a it's an absolute joy to mm-hmm. walk on it. Yeah, for sure. Like I think like you're as a trend, it's something that's starting 
starting to pick up around mm-hmm. the country and you're seeing a couple of like prominent um books starting to come out about it uh give me one second and I'll yeah look it up um I don't think it really needs to be studied. I think it's fairly evident intuitively. Yeah, so I can't, yeah. That blocking exactly. off a street to to um, cars would increase pedestrian traffic, especially if it's a street with a lot of like favor- like desirable shops and restaurants. Yeah, it's actually creating a, uh, just an, an increase in revenue in general also in those places. Like it's not just people like walking by, like people are definitely using it more and it's obvious right but like in hindsight it could seem we could be subject to hindsight bias here because the way people in like city planning thought before this Mm -hmm. is that nobody will be able to visit downtown unless there was a street and there were parking lots and Mm -hmm. like there was an entire infrastructure designed to getting people here Mm-hmm. Which isn't completely untrue, but they don't doesn't mean every single street needs to be um, available to every to cars all the time, right? Right. I mean, you do need to get people down there, um, or they, maybe they live there, but you do need somewhere for them to either park or you need a train that takes them from where they live to you know where they want to go into this into the city. But um, you can still have a few streets blocked off. What they've been doing in Albany recently is they wanted to block off. Lark Street to cars, well, either permanently, well, by they, I mean certain people, um, not the whole city, or just on the weekends so that you can have um, more outdoor dining because there's not room, you know, for all the restaurants to to have all the, to accommodate everyone um, based on the lock, like coronavirus, you know, uh, mitigation measures that have been, that are in place currently. So, um, but they ended up sort of just having it be like some of the sidewalks are closed temporarily and the pedestrians can walk in the street. <laughs> now, granted, they are behind some kind of barriers, so it's not like a totally unprotected street, but it's a little bit of a silly um, decision, I think. Um, I think it could work a little bit, but it's also sort of short-sighted because it's like, I don't know if it's... I didn't really see it, but I'm not sure if people can get through in their wheelchairs i'm not sure how safe it is and it's a little bit like the sidewalk is the place that citizens can walk and so now the businesses can take over it and now fuck you citizens you can walk near the cars that seems a little weird to me that they would block off the sidewalks Mm -hmm. they did well because so they can accommodate the seating for the restaurants basically right but like why not just use the roads for that because they wanted to keep it so you could drive in the roads Oh, okay. See, it's a half measure then. It is a half measure. I know my my hometown has uh, shut down Main Street, so it's pedestrian only. Forever? For the foreseeable future. I don't know if it's a permanent adjustment, but it is just barricaded off. They're not removing the barricades, Mm -hmm. and it's just like, you're walking now. Mm -hmm. Some places I think it works better than others, too. Um, The way it is in Albany... You can maybe go around, but the streets around there are so um, limiting as far as the one-way situation um, due to decision 50 or 60 years ago to 
raise like entire neighborhoods to build a monument to Nelson Rockefeller, the governor at the time. Oh boy, <laughs> good old Rockefeller. <laughs> Creating um, government projects that impact large groups of people around your own ego. <laughs> Turns out it's not that great. Yeah. New York's good at that, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Let me mobilize the apparatus of the state to glorify myself. Yeah. And when bow, I try and do bow, that, bow. nobody lets me. Yeah, right? Like, what the hell? <laughs> people are tearing down like Confederate statues. Well, there's no Confederate statues in all but tearing down like statues that are, you know, people who own slaves. And meanwhile, I'm trying to get attention to putting up statues of myself in their place and i'm getting no nowhere fast i you'll get there one day i promise yeah that's that's a promise i can keep <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> no so like a lot it's funny you mentioned the like 50 60 years ago that's like when because cities were not designed for cars right like they clear cities came out before cars did the ones in the northeast yeah 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 and like that's i that's like why there's a permanent traffic jam in every city in the northeast because they're not designed for vehicles yeah and like what you're probably going to see probably you know as a result of like uh carbon neutrality uh trying to get people to drive less you're going to see a lot more public transit coming up and probably like gently whittling away at like these mega highways that we've like severed cities with and turning it more into an open space. Actually, that's what the, so to the listeners, there was actually the, um, there was a highly contentious, uh, public works, uh, issue in Boston throughout most of the latter half of the 20th century called the big dig. It's like the big dig all over again. Sorry, that's yeah. from a YouTube video of how Boston Boston people, uh, shit Boston people say. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> they don't make them like the Kennedys no more. Yeah. Sorry. No, they don't. Uh, <laughs> so the big dig was an effort to take the, uh, I think it was I-95 and I-90, which were just on these high rises over the city. And they basically cut the city into quarters mm-hmm. by their existence. And so they put this, all of the highways underneath the city. Mm-hmm. And it was this massive, bloated, like, it's bled money and corruption. But they finally got it under mm-hmm. there. And it actually had a profound effect on the crime rate in Boston. Because these separated, segregated neighborhoods were suddenly it basically instantly reintegrated Mm. and South Boston was suddenly reconnected by like a walking bridge to like the rest of Boston. Mm -hmm. And it created like, you know, there's still like residual problems from that, like that issue, but it is getting better. And it's fascinating to think that our roads alone can have such a profound impact and like, create these bare it's almost like a berlin wall situation by having a highway cut through a city like that yeah it's a lot of it's like it's psychological but then again a lot of crime well crime is almost entirely you know a social science phenomenon um including psychology and and sociology and well criminology but (laughs) (laughs) economy economic economology um but you know i've been on 
it's not uncommon but you know been on the street and turned down and someone's like you want your car to get stolen <laughs> and like no it's like well then i wouldn't park on the street it's like it's literally like 50 feet from the other one and it's kind of true though it's like you kind of everyone agrees sometimes not to say nothing could happen to you on a main street but everyone kind of agrees like all right here's the area of gentrified troy where things are gentrified you want to walk three blocks north that's uh, it's fair fair <laughs> game you know that's towards a project that's where it's still poor that's where things can happen to you more easily so it's sort of like an agreement like okay over here things will this is where we allow the crime this is where we don't allow the crime so you know yeah it's fascinating how like and i think a lot of that is just the residual effect of redlining yeah it can be i don't know i mean i don't know that that was where white people were allowed to or black people were allowed to like get mortgages you know and i think it has it has to do with economic things but i'm not sure that it's all along the lines of like historic you know mortgages for example or like moving in yeah i think it's a little bit more complex um we're gonna do a really hard pivot and we're gonna talk about ants (laughs) (laughs) a-n-t-s not aunts yeah no specifically pharaoh ants pharaoh ants yeah i didn't know that pharaoh ants were a thing but they have plagued brian they so like a smallpox it has been probably a month now and i'll go like three or four days and not see anything and then i will accidentally leave a coffee cup somewhere overnight nothing will be there in the morning i'll take a coffee cup and throw it away because i'm a heathen and still go to dunkin donuts um and then like a day later there'll just be this ring of these translucent ants and they just show up anywhere they feel like it they have no um i did some research on them turns out they are a multi-colonial ant species so they will actually branch off and have separate queens it's almost like they're like a confederation of ants instead of a monarchy of ants <laughs> a confederation of dunces a confederation of ants yeah and it's like europe so i have like probably like three or four small colonies of the same larger ant population in my house and they just come out and like like get all over my cell phone when i'm not looking they're the tiniest things you ever did see they're almost like bacteria but you can see them with the naked eye yeah they're super invisible but you can hardly see them well they're so small i finally got fed up with them and trigger warning i'm going to talk about how i'm killing them uh so you can skip ahead to a if you're disturbed by the systematic poisoning of pharaoh ants yeah turns out they they don't tolerate borax really well but they're also fools that but they're also well the <laughs> so there's this great ant killer that i got that is <laughs> liquid sucrose and borax <laughs> drink it's like my last meal is my favorite 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 food and poison and poison um so it's like I set a couple drops out on wax paper on my stove and on my desk. Uh, and now there's these little rings of in, like barely visible ants. Like 
they're swimming in this stuff they love it so much and there's like a little trail of dead ones going back to the hive it's slow acting so the whole point of it is to like get it to the queen Mm -hmm. of that little colony and it'll kill them hopefully it gets it gets them because it seems like many of them are dying in the they're like drowning in their borax or they're like dying on the on route yeah i've seen i've seen a lot of them make it back i yeah. think the ones that are dying on route have are like on their third trip oh, okay <laughs> they're it, like oh shit yeah i'm dying now oh no that's stuff that i brought back <laughs> so it, it's fascinating to see like i don't I feel bad. I feel a little guilty about doing this. It's kind of sad. Like, that's why I don't really like crushing bugs. Because it's like, I think of that bug being alive, and then I I extinguish its life, and it's sad. But it's also like, get this bug off of me. Get it out of my hair. Get it off of, like, my cat's freaking out and trying to chase it. Like, if it's a wasp, fuck it. Fuck that wasp. I'm vacuuming it up. Yeah, I think Ugh. there's something biological about that. Like, there's, like, a a reflex that we have to kill bugs yeah because they um not all of them hurt us but they could and we don't like creepy crawly things that could like kill us really i mean historically when we were like cave folk well it's like these guys are destructive too like give them enough time and they'll destroy like the like whatever under the floor or wherever they are (laughs) you're like well here's my 30 day notice i'm moving out (laughs) bye (laughs) (laughs) hashtag renting hashtag security life yeah um but yeah no so it's coming along pretty well that it's not like a huge breaking story but like i've been fascinated by watching them go back and forth eating this poison it is interesting to see this like clear liquid and then over time more and more of these little like translucent tiny tiny brown red looking things forming a circle around it just lining up and there's a there's always one like swimming along the top of the little bubble it's (laughs) so weird doing some laps yeah right could you imagine like if a human found or like if there was like a like if we like proportional like Mm -hmm. a just a bubble of the most delicious liquid it's queso yeah imagine if there was like a an olympic pool full of queso mm-hmm. and I cyanide it. i can picture it well cyanide yeah yeah that's quicker acting i think but i'm not sure or arsenic Ar- yeah arsenic there yeah. you go and there's all these people around it eating it and then and, there's like, and you walk up to it and you're like i'm gonna swim in this shit yeah yeah like if you saw an olympic pool full of queso yeah and then, why wouldn't you swim in that and then you have queso all over you and in you and then you walk away and then you go back to your like queen sitting at home and you throw it up so that they can yeah. eat it and they let you they or let maybe okay for the interest of humans maybe she licks it off you she licks it yeah ew well this would be if humans were like ants it would be very disturbing that should be a movie though i think it is yeah oh no it's a kurt vonnegut story oh okay yeah they find like the this little ant society of humans yeah but like it's all like archaeological so Mm -hmm. it's they found like they keep digging down and finding like different like apochs of this little ant society damn never read that oh it's super good it's like an anti like like anti-communist thing Mm -hmm. which 
real communism, you wouldn't have one leader that you're doing all your work for. Yeah, right. It would be for the people. Oh, no. They they have, like, a Bastille Day uh-huh. in, at some point in their epoch. So they become, like, autonomous and go through, like, this democratic thing. Oh, cool. <laughs> Maybe it's anti-demagoguery, I Al- think, is more accurate. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Well, in addition to ants... We were watching Marie Kondo. Oh, that's why I'm killing my ants. Yeah, tidying up. <laughs> I'm tidying. Uh, Marie Kondo warms my heart. She's, I wonder if she's actually like a really mean person, but she just puts on a really like <laughs> bubbly, like childlike, you know, positive demeanor. And then like, they're like cut and she's like, fuck you, I'm going to my trailer. <laughs> she just, like, slams. <laughs> I don't know. She's probably not, no. I feel like sh- that, like, part where she, like, says hello to the house at the beginning. Yeah. Like, nobody who's self-absorbed, I think, would do that, even on camera. I don't know. I don't, no, I don't really think she's self-absorbed. I if only because she seems genuine and there's no reason to think she's like an actor because she was originally just like an obsessive compulsive Japanese uh, girl who <laughs> who like grew up with a lot of anxiety and then wrote a book. Wait, is that it? I don't know if she... That's me kind of reading. Are you projecting? Not projecting. I'm reading into... I read part of her book years ago, like the first half probably. And I remember that she did talk about like as a kid she'd like run home from school and just like tidy stuff like she that's what she wanted to do all the time was just tidying tidy things and she was like obsessed with it so i do think that gets it's a little obsessive compulsive that was her happy place was to like put order and objects and that was like i don't know that she said i can't remember anymore if, if she was like anxious not having it that way or if it was just like her unique like focus and obsession with life so it sounds to me like she's kind of found her true calling if you can take an anxiety and turn it into like a profession yeah and i think she's also put some spirituality into it so it's not just like oh my god this needs to be tidy or else like this bad thing's gonna happen she's more like okay how does this garment feel does it spark joy? I love that so much. I think that's such a great system of deciding whether or not you want to keep a shirt. Yeah, I think it is a good guiding principle, although there's other factors at play. I think it's an oversimplification. Like, you can, maybe it doesn't spark joy, but it would hurt you too much to get rid of it. You know, maybe it's your, well, we were just watching an episode of like, this woman's uh, husband had died like nine months before and she was cleaning out his clothes and we were crying. <laughs> yeah, that was sad. <laughs> yeah. But like she did get rid of most of his clothes. He, she, she kept like her two favorites. She did. And they didn't get into, which they should have probably like her talking about each garment and why she decided to get rid of each thing and why she kept the things of his that she did keep, you know? Yeah. But... Uh, there's other things at play and then also additionally like you know there are these two guys who are cleaning their apartment out and they got to their dishes and they had like 12 little plates and they found out that that was excessive and they decided like should we have nine and one of them was like well does it spark joy and it's like that's not gonna spark joy like you just have to decide um 
do you need all these plates and what's the practical number you need? I don't think there's ever a number of plates that's going to make you feel like elated. You know what I mean? Maybe you can go find a cooler plate later on, buy that, get rid of your shitty plates, and then you'll be joyful. But at that time, your options are keep 12, throw them all out and have nothing to eat. You know, in which case you're SOL. Well, I think that's part of like the point, right? Is that these plates were very utilitarian. So like who cares about like it's definitely not going to be a, a, a system. Well, I don't know. Some I used to have a really shitty little plastic uh bowl that sparked joy for me. It mm-hmm. was a dollar store bowl, but I loved that thing. Mm-hmm. So I could still see like like having an attachment and like it's not that you wouldn't have any special feelings about any of them but there's reasons to have things other than them bringing you joy like you might utilitarian want need to use this object right like for instance pants like you need to keep a certain amount right if 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 all of your pants if you decide none of these spark joy you better maybe not throw all of them out at the same time i don't think that happens though I I I think the the general tendency on this show is that like showing that people have way more than they need. Absolutely. And that there are like you will find you like reasons to keep things generally. Yes. Like the I I I think the 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 plates might have been a little extreme but for like because that was definitely like a sorority's paradox it's like how many plates is joy yeah <laughs> 3.2 right but like other than that like like the the emotional attachment on things is still like it's way more like pervasive than i think we think it is until we actually start going through and looking at stuff yeah to me, it makes sense. To me, it's I can see that it's like all emotional. Yeah, I I I would have a hard time getting rid of like yeah stuff in my house. Yeah, which Same. is why I don't. Same. <laughs> Although I really want to like watching that show is like pretty like on point for like where I'd like to head next in my spiritual journey. <laughs> Your ghost. Yeah. On a spiritual journey, yeah. I might do an audio effect over that. <laughs> I'd like um, Marie Kondo, because it seems like on Tidying Up the Show on Netflix, they're always in L.A. They're just, for whatever reason, probably because it's produced in L.A., and they go to people's houses. I want them to go to Skid Row and tidying up, like, one of the homeless people on Skid Row. <laughs> like, get a shopping cart. See whatever they have, maybe, you know, like, their bag or their cart or their little tent kind of area and just see like what sparks joy there and just try (laughs) see it to apply it to like any kind of a life not just (laughs) be a very different Marie Kondo yeah she just like kneel down in the area on the sidewalk and like greet the space (laughs) oh my god you could see her like taking a ride in the grocery cart yeah and the police come and raid and take all the stuff that they they like curated like this really nice little knapsack of things that spark them joy and the police like arrest them and take it and throw it out it'd be so sad 
That would be sad. That yeah. would be tragic. Yeah. Like, this whole thing is an exercise in hilarious tragedy. And then Marie Kondo is, like, arrested in the roundup. Oh. Deported. <laughs> to Mexico. To Mexico. <laughs> like, it sounds like you're talking Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one, that's the one, like, Texas cop that decided to become an LAPD officer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see. I heard you had a bit of a problem that that needs to get talked about well it do was, you know what i'm talking about are you talking about seltzer i'm glad you know it wasn't a problem until i realized it was a problem on friday night i was like it's the weekend finally i had a hard time on friday being motivated i had been beaten down by life over the last lifetime and especially week and especially year so i was like i'm gonna go for a walk and i'm gonna bring my credit card and a mask which i usually don't bring because i'm walking outside and i don't need to buy anything and i'm gonna make sure that my walk ends up at stewart's so i can buy some seltzer because i was sick of drinking fucking water boring and i drank i'd already drank all my kombucha i need to go to the store and all my uh coconut juice so i had pretty much nothing but water and coffee to drink water and flavored water so i was like so then i went and got my seltzers i got two and that was like my fun like friday night like (laughs) treat for myself and i was like drinking it and i was like this is not that good it's better than water but this is pathetic and i need like something more like drugs (laughs) but i didn't get any (laughs) but i was just like this is the worst this is treat. the saddest drug this is the saddest like treat you know most people eat chocolate i did eat a little chocolate but i can eat that any day you know what i mean That's... and i do so it was like supposed to be like friday night but all yeah. i did was i drank like a lemon seltzer from poland spring that's uh i don't know that sounds like a good night to me it sounds like you were taking it easy. Uh, yeah, it was a sad, a sad night. But then it's like worse if I was doing, you know, yeah, right, drugs like, too. So it's like, what do you do? You can't. Then you'll be sad and hyper. Right. It's like you can't like live live the clean seltzer life. You can't live the hedonistic the drug life. life. Yeah, you can't. Can I live? No. <laughs> so. Damn, really bring it down. Took it down a notch, yeah, huh? Exactly. <laughs> it's called anhedonia yeah. for the listeners. It's when everything sucks. Well, I think seltzer in trying times is it, it's like hmm. It's like Metamucil. You don't think it's doing any good, but it's it's not it's not Taco Bell. And you don't notice that it's doing a good thing. You just notice that it's not doing a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. That is the (laughs) shittiest argument I've ever made. Seltzer. (laughs) Think about it like this. It's like Metamucil. (laughs) You know what I mean, though? Like, if you, like... Like, I'm not saying that drugs are bad. Um... I am. They are. They're they like, are bad. 
I mean, many of them. Depends on what you mean by a drug, but the the drugs we're thinking about are. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, let's say, like, let's even take something, like, relatively innocuous, like marijuana. Like, you know, you can do it. It's gonna gonna get you gonna get you a little goofy, and you're gonna probably want to eat a sandwich or something and like sleep for ten hours. Uh, just fine. And then there's seltzer, which is going to tickle your tongue and give you the bubbles. Help you swallow your vitamins. Yeah. I'm. It's about hard for me to swallow pills, but if I have like a carbonated liquid. For some reason, they like float in the carbonated liquid in my mouth, and then I can swallow it easier. <laughs> <laughs> See, you you won't get your your pill helping your pill swallowing helping going with the reefer. Mm-mm, you won't. That's what reefer madness really is. It's B twelve deficiency. Yeah, because <laughs> you're so high, you forget to eat any kind of food. But it's like actually, I, this doesn't happen at all. The opposite happens. I think it's important to do things that are really boring well i got that down (laughs) that's why i want a statue to myself to replace the slave owner statues there we go (laughs) and the plaque can say connie she didn't own any slaves ever well it's like no you didn't not to my knowledge i I still don't know what's in that room but i'm gonna assume it's not a slave i didn't own any there are dolls in there though Oh, from when that's I was a kid. Worse. That's... <laughs> Civil wars. That joke. Civil wars have been fought over the ownership of bizarre dolls. No, they're not really bizarre. They're just dolls from like Toys R Us from like 1993. Ugh, I can't even. Dolls are so creepy. I know. There's not very many. Don't get me wrong. There's like two. There's a lot of stuffed tigers. It's like Tiger King in there. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I thought they were like the creepy like Chucky dolls. I thought you were doing like a horror bit. There are a few dolls. They're not creepy, probably because the number of them is small and they're cheap. So they're not like they're not like pale, old timey looking porcelain ones, which are the creepiest. <laughs> that reminds me of an amusing story where my my uncle like decided one time to move to Aruba with a woman. And it didn't work out at all. <laughs> okay. But but when he left, he gave us a presence. So he gave me a um, checkers and chess and backgammon set, oh, which nice. is actually nice. That's cool. And he gave my sister like a doll with like a porcelain face on it. And then later on, I don't. It was unrelated to him moving back. It was just like years later. My sister was like angry at like I don't know. I assume my parents or something. And she like smashed the doll and his face shattered <laughs> oh that's sad <laughs> i know so that's why we can't have nice things that's why i have plastic dolls in yeah, the other room they're really more efficient yeah you can if you get like in a child like blind rage you can't do too much damage with a plastic doll sometimes you just gotta have a tantrum that's that's therapeutic in yeah. a way yeah i was a kid i definitely remember being like i'm gonna have a tantrum right now <laughs> and i did I feel it coming on <laughs> i don't think i've actually ever had a tantrum so don't listen to my advice I, ha- I don't remember too many of them i think i had like i can remember two specifically yeah I... one of them was i wasn't that bad at going to stores like and trying to get my parents to get me stuff i was pretty young when this happened i was probably like three or four but i remember this one t- i don't know what it- it's a vague memory i don't know if i was like 
hungry or I was just tired or both, probably because I was like three. But I wanted something and they were like, no. And I was like, I remember kind of thinking like, I am fucking sick and tired of <laughs> never getting any of this fuck this and I just like <laughs> and I threw a tantrum I'm like I am done this is one denial too many but it's, I think what I wanted was something I ended up getting for the holiday anyway oh nice it was a My Little Pony set see they could have just told me I was going to get it or they could have just given it to me then but no yeah well but, they wanted the yeah <laughs> just like, they, this is, you were tr- trying your hardest to ruin the surprise it was like the straw that broke the camel's back i was like you know what this is one too many times of go- taking me to a, sh- a stupid shopping center and i get leave empty-handed from this mall <laughs> <laughs> you people are doing your errands you're getting what you need out of this yeah i'm right. getting nothing <laughs> i don't know i never like i never really remember like i remember being glum that i couldn't have anything yeah but it was I don't think I ever freaked out about it. Glum is an f- interesting word that I haven't heard in a long time. That's, but it's apt. Yeah, it it was well, it's like that was my childhood. It was like I was occasionally like depressed, but like most of the time I was off in my own head. I just see like a kind of walking behind your parents, like Charlie Brown cartoon, kind of like glum. I was very Charlie Brown. Yeah. Um, when I was like four, I was more Calvin-y minus like the creative destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just talked to my stuffed animal. Aw, <laughs> so cute. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I, I, like I was always just like doing my own shit. Like I had enough toys. Yeah. And like more never helped. Like, n- I learned early that, like, more toys never, like, didn't, like, elicit any joy in me. It didn't fill the void that yeah, toys couldn't fill. It didn't fill. spark joy. Yeah. Toys couldn't fill the empty hole in your psyche. Yeah. Well, I had video games. I could just replay Mario Brothers if I wanted to do something. You see, that's the thing. I didn't have video games, so I was like, I want a new toy that'll make me happy. Yeah. But it wasn't like that often. It was just like let's focus on it. Let's obsess over like one specific toy and then get it. And, yeah, yeah. Well, and I used to buy stuff like any cans that we returned. I would get the money from. Oh, nice. So, like I like by the time I was six, I had enough money saved up to like buy a video game system. You're reminding me of, um, a family like, um supermarket redeemable trips where oh, like yeah. like we'd my mom would go on we'd have our own redeemables and then she'd go on walks and collect all the cans she found and we'd have these like huge bags trash bags in the basement fill them and then like every so often we'd go to the supermarket and just like feed the machines for like 20 minutes and then we would my sister and i would split the the profit so i'd get my like four bucks or whatever nice. it's like excellent to this day I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm taking these back. We're going. And, like, now you can't. Oh, maybe you can because the coronavirus uh, response is always changing. But I'm not sure that I can. <laughs> I'm not sure that I can go back yet and and take my redeemables. But I have them. And I'm like, oh, no. I will get my, my deposits. They're charging when my deposits throughout this. I will receive them. I will get them I back. I will get them. I yeah. love, actually, it's kind of fun. Just you put, like, the can in the machine and then it gives you five cents. And it's so fun. It is nice. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I could do this all day. So, so I think to to kind of wrap things up, like we're going to be thinking of a name 
for you guys, the listeners. And we are going to probably be changing up our theme song at some point, if I ever get around to composing something for it. So look forward to that. Just mentally prepare for the change that might come or may not come. Yeah, just be prepared for for great change. Um, be prepared for minor incremental change. Yep. Be prepared. I don't want to take you by surprise and be a shock. Yeah. No, we're not here to shock you. Yeah. Our it's not tim- shock rock. You timid pancakes. That's- tim. You Tims. No. Yeah. No, I'm not taking HIs. Right. But uh, other than that, you know, get subscribed to us um, on Spotify, iTunes, all that. Be sure to rate us. Uh, give us a good review. We could really use it. It's always always amazing to get some good feedback. Um, Tell your friends. Yeah, Actually, this is breakfast with your friends. So <laughs> hello, let's get them involved. Invite your friends to come over and hang out under the guise of like reconnecting, and then make them listen to our episodes. Actually, podcast parties are a thing. Are they? Yeah, yeah, cool. they are. Like, like you know, bring your friends around and have them listen to uh, your favorite episode of BWYF. But if you're going to listen in a podcast party later, just while you're like not doing anything, just stream the episode so that it, our downloads reflect the number of years yeah, that right. I've actually heard it. <laughs> just kidding, it doesn't matter. Um, and then, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Garland Frenzy. Yeah, Instagram, draw and erase underscore. That's the handle. But our website, as always, HTTPS colon uh, colon backslash backslash I mean forward slash forward slash breakfast with your friends dot com yep breakfast yeah. with your friends dot com yeah All right breakfast with your friends dot com right. bye bye